Oh, his presence is here today, friends. His presence is here today. Let yourself be more aware of his presence than how you feel or what you're thinking right now. Slip into a place where your spirit is sensitive to the spiritual atmosphere of this room. Don't, don't continue, continue to dwell on all the troubles and things that are perplexing your mind. All that stuff. Listen, all the things that are bothering you right now are temporal, are temporary. They will not last. But worship in the Spirit is something that's going to last throughout eternity because you're going to dwell in His presence. And you know, in His presence is fullness of joy. Outside of His presence, there's no joy. It's emptiness. But in His presence is fullness of joy. And at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. So you need to come to a place where you tell your mind and your body to be still. And know that He is God. Now, what did He say about His soul? I was talking, talking so much that I forgot. What did He say? Yeah, well, he did say, why are you so downcast, O my soul? That's one thing he said. But what was the thing I just told you? He said, I will rejoice and be glad. I forgot what it was. Anyway, he talked to himself. <clears throat> he didn't talk to me. That's why I don't remember. But he, he had to grab himself by his bootstraps and say, soul, I will worship the Lord. <clears throat> and that's what you need to do. You know what your soul is? It's, your mind. it's where your mind is. It's where you're thinking. Sometimes you've got to grab hold of your thoughts and tell them what they need to be thinking about. You know that? Everybody in the world's trying to grab your thoughts and shift them into thinking to buy this product or do this thing. No, or be woke. No, you need to tell your soul to worship the Lord because he's worthy. Hallelujah. So grab yourself and shake yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> well, praise the Lord. We're going we're gonna to worship the Lord in giving. Let me just tell you something. <clears throat> family, family secret time. Nobody, this is just for you, not for anybody else, all right? <clears throat> I'm looking at these holes in the roof. I'm looking at the green roof as I drive up. And you know, can I, can I tell you something that I don't want, you, I just want you to have this information. There have, been, there have been at least two or three little churches, some in Florida and a couple of out, out of state, that have said that they would get our roof fixed in the amount of somewhere in the neighborhood of $10,000. Isn't that nice? Maybe as much as But it's going to take us between 60 and 70 to do this roof. Okay, that's just. There are some other folks that are willing to even help with their labor, but we still have to do the materials. 
So, and so I get a lot of people say, but Brother Dan, have you tried Grant? Have you tried the FEMA? Have you tried uh, calling the Assemblies of God? Yeah, I've talked to them all. But we're flying solo here, all right? What I'm going to ask, I know that God's going to provide this for us. I don't know how, but I know he will. And frankly, I'm not worried about stuff. It's really not going to help any if I worry about it. Because my worry is not going to fix it. So there's no point in me losing sleep over it. Or you. But we're going to trust God. And here's what I want you to do. I want you, with me, to trust God and watch him do a miracle. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to say, hey, remember back when we didn't know what was going to happen and we just trusted God? And it was amazing what he did. We never expected it to happen this way. And I believe that's what he's going to do. But we, what we have to do is understand this, this scripture that says, Faith without works is dead. So it's, it's okay to trust and believe in God, but you can't just not do anything when you believe. So let's us let's really kick in big time. And I know, you know, every time you go to the drive through restaurant to get a hamburger, they ask me, would you like to donate an extra dollar to some relief for her? Yeah. How about that? <laughs> would you like to donate a dollar to me for hurricane relief? Anyway, I think, though, that what we need to do is give out of our need. Okay, so I'm asking you a big thing, and that is your need today. And let's trust the, the Lord to take those five loaves and two fishes that we donate and apply it to meet the need. Do you believe he can do that? So let's make this declaration over us, because I know you guys got problems too. I do. You do. insurance companies right now sure I know I know I am too but but, but we're be the way we want it but it's going to be good it's going to turn out good because all things work together for the good to them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose how many of you love the Lord how many know that you're called according to his purpose then just don't just trust him all right so as we receive today's offering, I am believing jobs, better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, salaries, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates, returns, checks in the mail, gifts, money, debts paid off, Expenses decrease and blessings increase. Thank you needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So now let's come and give in faith and trust in God in Jesus' name.
Now, Lord, we take this. We have, we have verbalized the need. And now, Lord, we take this, a token of our energy, a means of, of trade, and for the energy and the life that you have given to us. It's not our life, it's your life. You've given us life. And you are the one who sustains life. So, Lord, we just return to you the life that you have. Word that you will pour back, press down, shaken together, and running over. You're not, you're not going through a recession. You're not worried. You have plenty. In fact, you shined your face upon he sowed in the middle of Jesus, even though we may be going through a famine, we are going to sow in the middle of the famine because we serve a God who doesn't know anything about famines. Because you're our shepherd. And you said, we shall not want. So I pray in the name of Jesus, there will be no want in any of your sheep's lives today in Jesus' name. Pour out into their lives. Pour out into each individual life. Restoration. This church, I pray. Lord, I pray that you'll come through with provision that's beyond anything that we could ask or think. So I'm not going to suggest to you, Lord, how to do this. I'm going to just look forward with anticipation to how you're going to do this and rejoice when it happens in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And make it soon, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. God is so good. God is so good. So good. He's so good to me. Don't you like the way I change keys on you guys? <laughs> Thank you so much for everything. All the music has been great, great, great. <clears throat> you know, yes, yes, you deserve it. I want to take a few minutes. I'm going to ask for the board members who are here today. Oh, you know, great thing by sending Dave out of the room. But James is here and Randy's here. Maybe they can just take five. Counting the offering, so... But I'm going to ask them if they'll come back, if they can, for a couple minutes, and James to join me. It's a wonderful day when we can do what the Scripture says. You know, the Bible says this, Forsake not the gathering of yourself together. And it's that we gather together and have fellowship. The need for, man, for humanity is we need to belong God, are they going to be able to make it? Wonderful. So today we have the wonderful privilege and honor to welcome to, sorry guys for doing that to you. I, I, I didn't think before I took the offering, I should have done that before I sent you on. These are four of our board members. Aren't they amazing guys? I, I want to join me because we're going to 
Welcome to church membership today. So Ron, would you want to just welcome you as a congregation. We are so delighted and thankful that you have decided to throw your hat in the ring with us. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name and welcome on board. And these are, these are the guys that gave you the thumbs up. <clears throat> and we want to just gather around Ronald and pray over him that God will bless him and bless this t season of his life. Lord, we thank you for Ronald and we thank you for the commitment that he's made to join us. We feel a kindred spirit already with him. And we have, we've felt that kindred spirit ever since he came. Uh, reflects love and joyfulness and kindness and we want to just speak a blessing over him and his family Lord I pray that you'll just bless him in Jesus name and may this he's to join us be one that will be a memorable one in his family and may we be a blessing to him in Jesus name Amen I want to give you all a chance to just take a couple of minutes to come on up and shake his hand and welcome him and uh, welcome him to be part of our show. He's one of the bananas. He's part of the bunch. All right. So just come on up and shake his hand and give him the right hand of fellowship and congratulations as he comes. And before you leave, Ron, I've got this certificate for you. <coughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <coughs> Thank you. You're part of a big family now. Here today. Yeah, thank you. There's one more, Dolores. Welcome. Thank you very much. God bless you. God bless you. And let us know if there's anything we can do. You're part of the family now. So these are all your brothers and sisters. No, he's not stuck with us. This is this is your daughter with you, right? And help this old man again, Leanne. You guys just love on Leanne, too. <coughs> and Leanne brings her watchdog with us, with her, to make sure that we all behave. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This week, um, uh, sometime around 4 o'clock or 4.30 or so, Rosalie Perone, Perone, who usually sits back there next to Dolores, went home to be with Jesus. And so this morning she's celebrating her first Sunday 
with the Lord. Amen. She's been so faithful and she's been there so, so wonderfully. We kind of, we're going to miss her. But I know that she is quite happy right now. Because the Apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And so she has gained something this morning. And even though we are going to miss her, she, and here's another thing. This is an interesting thing about the scripture. Do you know, Jesus gives us little hints about what it's like. And he said, uh, when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, remember, he showed up there, but also Moses and Elijah were with him, which tells us that it's possible for those who have gone on before to still, they're, they're very much alive. And they're very much able to talk. Jesus and Moses and Elijah stood and talked about what death he would die. <laughs> of all the subjects to talk about, right? Because it was a common thing. It's a common thing that all of us have to do. It's not normal, but it happens to us. Amen? And then... In the scripture, it also says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. You know who that's talking about? Those who have gone on before us. But it's, and, and it, was, it was talking about this great cloud of witnesses. Oh, by the way, it's time, I need to dismiss the children, don't I? So God bless the kids as they go into the next. I don't need, is there children's church today? There is? Who's doing it? Denise is doing it? God bless Denise. Because all of our regulars are, you're okay, and Stephanie is helping her? Well, bless their hearts. So, you know, it's really, it's really wonderful to have backup. Amen? Because Carol's out today, Liz is out today, Deb is out today. But these ladies have jumped in and are helping, and we appreciate them so much. Double and triple and quadruple duty. But in the scripture of the Hall of Fame of Faith, it's what we call it, you know, by faith this person did this, by faith this person did this. And all these people, great people of faith, most of, most of them in the Old Testament, but some in the New Testament. And then it comes to the end of, it, of that dialogue and says, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. But it says, they, which have gone on, these people of faith, without us are not made perfect. So what that's suggesting to us is that you and I, the way we live by faith, actually perfects what they did. So you and I need to be people of faith too, but not just people of faith, but we live on this side of Calvary, this side of the resurrection, this side of the ascension, because we live by grace. So it's by grace through faith. Amen? So they didn't have that available to them. So they aren't made perfect without us. It depends upon us being people of faith and living by his grace. Amen? So praise the Lord. So we're going to miss Rosalie. We're, um, I, talked, I texted with her son last night, and he's going to be coming here, and we'll make arrangements and let you all know what will be but just, just uh, when the family comes together, just bless them. And, uh, of course, Stephen, we, we love Stephen, and we, we know that he's affected by this because Rosalie is Stephen's 
sister-in-law. And so we, uh, we just pray that God will give peace to them, to him too, and strength through these days. And Dolores, you're going to, you got your buddy is missing today, huh? Because he's usually sitting right there by Dolores. But praise the Lord. God is good. Um, <clears throat> this past, I, I need to pray. I need to pray before I talk to you. Because if I talk without prayer, then it's just me and not the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now to be the one who speaks so that we have ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church. Not me but the Spirit. So, Father, I yield myself to you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, reveal to us what the Father has to say to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. By the way, I want to thank James and Mac and the crew for for pinch hitting for me last week. Did they do a great job? Bless them. I, I'm so thankful to James. Oh, we need to do better than that. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Thank you so much. He's, he, he, this guy, uh, talk about walking and chewing gum at the same time. He runs all the technicalities, and then he preaches, and Carol sings. and He's, a busy, he's as busy as a bee back there, so we appreciate him. Oh, that reminds me, I'm going to put mine on vibrate too. There we go. <laughs> but anyway, it gave, it gave uh, Liz and I a, an opportunity. We've been doing a lot of babysitting for my son's children while when he travels out of the country. And then, it was, then that all com combined with the hurricanes and stuff, we needed a couple of days to kind of unwind. So we, we took a little jaunt up to... St. Augustine, and uh, the weather got cold and rainy, but we, we just stayed inside and hunkered down and enjoyed ourselves. But last Sunday, while you guys were in church, the Holy Spirit gave me what I need to say to you this morning, and here's, here's how it came. There, there were two verses that came to my mind, and they, the verses were these. Um, let me look at my notes. There was a verse that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know that? Have you heard that verse? Taste and see, which implies two different things. The sense of taste and the sense of sight. Taste and see. Th Jesus said this. He said, I am the salt of the world. But then he said to his disciples, you are the salt of the world. In fact, let's go to Matthew. Go with, go with me to the book of Matthew, and we'll see exactly how he said it. Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 13, says this. Ye are the salt. You are salt. Now, let me ask you this. So what does salt do for food? Salt enhances the flavor of the food. It doesn't change the flavor. It enhances the flavor. It brings out the flavor. Have you noticed that? But how many know that when you, when you put salt on your food, you don't take the salt shaker and unscrew the top and pour the whole thing on there? 
because that'll wreck it, won't it? You, you, we have this expression called a pinch of salt. Now, I remember my grandmother cooking and my mother cooking, and they were not crazy about measuring spoons and measuring cups and all this kind of stuff. And they made some fabulous recipes. And I remember my mother or my wife going to them and, and observing them and watching how they were cooking so that she could imitate it to make me happy. See? That's how wives do, you know? They want to make their husbands happy. So I remember this conversation between my wife and my grandmother, and she would say, but how much of this or how much of this do you put in it? And my grandmother would say, eh, I don't know. You put a little, you know, you just, just put a little bit here and a little bit there, a little bit, you see. And then grandma was noted for having this wooden spoon that she would, she would constantly be checking the flavor of the meal as she was making it, you see, because it was by taste. She cooked by taste. So it was a pinch of salt or just a little bit, see. So that's how, that's how you put salt on food is you put a little bit on it. You don't douse it with salt. When God uses you, he uses you as salt, but he doesn't pour, he doesn't want you to douse the circumstance with everything that you have. You just flavor it, and it enhances the flavor. Now watch this. He said, you are the salt of the earth. So he didn't send you into this world to change the flavor, but to enhance the flavor. Now that's interesting, because a lot of times we hear sermons about people that talk about salt, and they say they use it the... Uh, illustration that salt is the, a preservative. Well, yes, it is. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about you being a preservative. You see this? So let's not make the scripture say something it doesn't say. He says, you are the salt of the earth, and here's how I know why he's saying you're not a preservative, but you're an enhancer of flavor, because he starts to talk about flavor. So by the context, we know what he's talking about. Now, mind you, this is Jesus talking, okay? Not me, not any of the apostles. He says, but if the salt has lost its savor, what savor? Flavor, right? If the salt loses its flavor, <clears throat> well, then it can't do anything to enhance the flavor of the meal, right? Now, you and I are to go into the world and we are to enhance the flavor. Do you understand that not everything that God has created in this world is bad? Sure, there are bad people that do bad things. But I'll tell you one thing. I'm sure glad that somebody invented a computer, even though it wasn't a Christian, because I like and I need the computers in my life. Do you need them? Now, if you would have waited for some Christian to develop that, we'd still be, who knows what, same thing with light bulbs and cars and everything else. So, so God, God's gifts and callings and the talents that he gives to people, he doesn't give them all only to people who are believers. But he says what you are supposed to do is you're supposed to be the flavor 
you know what, I, I better be careful to the poor video people and not wander so much because I make their jobs harder for them. He says, you are supposed to bring out the flavor of the world. Did you know that? When you, one of the best ways to bring a person to Jesus is to show them God's handiwork in their life so that they can get to know who he is and see the goodness of God operating in their life. Can I give you what you may consider a really bad illustration, but I'm going to give it to you anyways, and maybe stretch your paradigm or your comfort zone a little bit, all right? One evening in a church service, there was a couple that showed up. <clears throat> they weren't married. They were just living together. They weren't believers. And they were covered from head to toe, from neck down, all the way to their feet in tattoos. Full sleeves, all tattoos. And I'm telling you what, it was some of the most amazing tattoo work I've ever seen. I discovered after talking to the fellow after the church service that he was one of the leading tattoo artists in this city. I'm not going to tell you his name or where he works or anything like that, but he, for his life, was an artist, a tattoo artist, and of course he had it on himself. Now, some people are afraid of people with tattoos, and they don't like them to be around. But you understand what the, what the Lord had been just dealing with me in those days was the fact that you can, t you can prophesy into and tell a lot about a person by the tattoos that they're wearing. And the Lord began to lead me into a place where I had an understanding of looking at a person's tattoos, where the tattoo is on their body, and getting a spiritual prophetic word into their life. So after the service, I introduced myself and I said, would you mind showing me some of your tattoos? Now, only the ones that were appropriate to be seen, understand that, you know. And so they, they showed me some of them. And I said, tell, tell me a little bit about this. So they told me about them and I said, could I, could, and I started with the young lady, I said, could I just speak into your life some things that God is saying to me right now about your tattoos. And I began to talk to her and tell her what the Holy Spirit was giving to me based on her tattoos, where they were located like this. And she began to shake and she began to weep. And she said, how do you know these things about me? And her boyfriend next to her was, he began to, I could see the tears coming down his eyes. Now, these were people that you wouldn't necessarily think would be that easily emotionally broken. And he said to me, he said to me, nobody, nobody knows that stuff about her. In fact, I didn't even know some of that stuff about her. I knew some of the things, but there's no way you could have known that. And I said, and then he invited me to tell him to, to read his tattoos. So I began to read his tattoos. And do you know, the Holy Spirit <clears throat> brought such a conviction upon them that both of them were tender 
to the receiving of the gospel and were broken to come to the receiving of the gospel because the Holy Spirit had revealed secrets out of their lives to them. Now, do you see? That is salt enhancing the flavor of what's already there so that a person can... Do you know that Jesus hung out with his disciples? He, he, he didn't, these guys didn't know him and he didn't know them, but he began to, he began to go to them and approach them at their, at their place of business. And he, Matthew, who we're reading about right now, he was, at a, he was a tax collector. And Jesus walked up to him and there was something about Jesus that was so powerful that Jesus could walk up to this guy at his business and say, follow me. And Matthew would go, Matthew said, uh, sure. And he laid down his pencil and his calculator and he followed Jesus. What would make a person do that? The disciples that were fishing, Jesus said, follow me. And you know what? They gave up their profession. They left their father. They left the boats. They left the nets and they followed him. What would make a person do that? What would make a person just walk away from their life and follow him? Because there was some kind of an enhancement in him. There was a saltiness in him that made them want more of what they were tasting because he brought out the flavor in their life. They followed him before they committed their lives to him. They learned how to follow him. And then finally, one day, he got to a place after they followed him because they saw, they began to see the things that he would do. They, they saw the flavor enhancement in him. He would raise the dead. He would heal the sick. He would provide food for people until they fi finally he said to them, he, he waited until the proper time and he said, who do men say that I am? And they, under, they realized who he was by hanging out with him. And finally, one of them said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, they learned that because of the flavor enhancement. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its savor, that word savor, do you know what that word savor means in the original language in the Hebrew? That word savor means foolishness. If a person loses their savor, it means whosoever, what shall it be if you lose your, the person that loses their savior, a person that lives foolishly, that's what it means. Well, to lose your savor is to become foolish. Foolishness causes you to lose your flavor enhancement, if you will. And when you lose your savor, then you're not good for anything but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. So I ask you, what is the opposite of foolishness? Wisdom. Wisdom is the opposite of foolishness. Where does wisdom come from? Wisdom comes from God. Do you understand how important it is for you to live wisely and not foolishly? Because when you live foolishly, you're not going to have the capacity to enhance the flavor in those around you. And when people don't have any 
when people don't have any flavor enhancement, they're going to go somewhere where they do get it. Now, all due respect and blessing, I am not criticizing in any kind of a way, shape, or form, but when I was in the hospital uh, a few months ago, I got to the place where I was so hungry after recovering from surgery that I longed for a good meal, and they brought me this wonderful meal from the kitchen that had mashed potatoes, gravy, meatloaf, and I thought, oh, man, this is going to taste so good. And the problem is when I bit into it, it had no flavor at all. So I understand that hospitals have to do that because for different reasons. But it would have been so good if it had been flavored right. <clears throat> Amen? So the first thing I did when I got out is I went somewhere where there was flavor. Hallelujah. Now, when you, I like a good steak. But you know what? There's a difference. You don't just take a steak and throw it on the grill, but you've got to flavor it first, you see. Flavor in a steak makes a good steak. Amen? And it's the flavor that God has called us to be. We are the flavor of this world. Otherwise, existence is bland. It's meaningless. You and I have been called to be the salt. Taste and see that the Lord is good. They can't see that the Lord is good without them having something to taste. Amen. And you are what brings out the flavor. Don't try to change the flavor. I don't like changing the flavor. You understand that? Some seasonings are the change the flavor. Sometimes you need a seasoning so that it covers up the nasty taste of something. You understand? Sometimes... You go to restaurants and they put tons and tons of hot sauce on there. Why? They're trying to disguise something. But God's not called you to disguise and to change the flavor. He's called you to enhance something that already has wonderful flavor. He just wants it amplified. You're to turn up the flavor. Hallelujah. Turn up the flavor in Jesus' name. And you'll not have that flavor if you live a life of foolishness. You've got to have the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God in you is the flavor that flavors the world around you. Amen? So you can, you can walk up to a person who other people would turn their back and walk away from, and you can bring out the flavor in them. You understand? Do you know that people with tattoos are the easiest people to prophesy over because they have all of their life in black and white and color sometimes, right in front of your eyes. I don't know how many times. And people say, to, people say, that sounds just plain weird to do a tattoo readings. Well, maybe it sounds weird. But, but if you ask God for his help to see the flavor that's in people, he can bring out stuff that you never, ever would have imagined to happen. You understand that? When God puts you next to somebody that you think, that you're not necessarily comfortable with, maybe he's trying to say, I want you to bring out some flavor in them instead of you trying to run away so quick. You understand? Suppose, suppose some people came walking in these doors and they had all kinds of piercings and tattoos and they sat down right next to you. 
would you be comfortable? Or would you be anxious to get away? No, God puts you there to be the salt. And then he says this, watch. You're the salt of the earth, but what's it say in verse number 14? You are the light of the world. So you see, taste and see. You've got the flavor and you've got the sight. Now, why, what's important about sight? Light. Light is what helps people see when it's dark. Without light, I mean, if we turned out all the lights in here, it'd be, it wouldn't be too fun, would it? Because there's no windows and we'd be just in total darkness. We can see because of light. So God has put you into a situation to lighten up the situation. Don't criticize the darkness. Turn on the light. And guess who the light is? You are the light. You are the light of the world. Now watch the context. You really need to understand context. Then he talks about a city that is set on a hill. What's that a city on a hill got to do with light? Only thing that the two have in common with each other is a city that's set on a hill is only got significance when it's a city on a hill in the middle of darkness because the people in the city have their lights on. And so you can see fellowship, you can see people, you, and you can guide people from afar because from a distance you can see a city set up on a hill. And people will go to that light. You are uh, the light of the world. Jesus said he was the light of the world, but you know what he said? Now he changed it and he gave you the commission to be the light of the world. He's not reserving all this just for himself. You know, there's, it, it, when you're studying the scripture, it's very, very important to understand that there are certain things, and I, told, I, mean, I think I might have referred this a couple of weeks ago when I talked to you. There are certain things from the Old Testament that stopped at Calvary. They, we don't do them anymore. There are so, some things in the scripture that started at Calvary. They didn't exist before. And there are some things that came from the Old Testament and passed through Calvary and still are in existence today. You understand? One of the things that stopped at Calvary was the period Jesus talked about it with about John the Baptist. From John the Baptist until now, because John the Baptist represented all the Old Testament prophets, and he was the last of them. So he said, from John the Baptist, from the law and the prophets up till now, the kingdom of God has suffered violence, and people have had to take it by force. And you can see that all through the Old Testament. People that wanted something, it, they, if, it was, if they were deprived of it, they had to go and get it by force and take it. You remember in the stories that I've told you about, one of the stories that comes to mind really quickly is the story of Tamar, who was denied her inheritance because her two husbands died and her father-in-law would not allow her to be part of the family anymore. And she wanted that Israelite inheritance, so she took it by force. Jacob 
wrestled with the angel of the Lord. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. But from, the, from John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of God suffers violence. The violent have had to take it by force. But Jesus came and changed that at Calvary. And now you and I can receive the promise by grace through faith. And that's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. You and I live in such an amazing day. We have things provided for us that people before us had to fight for. But we can live in the grace, in his amazing grace. Hallelujah. Little lambs and goats and stuff had to die for people in the past. But Jesus became the lamb once for all. Hallelujah. Praise God. So now he says to people, here's the thing, here's something new that started from Calvary. He said, you are the light of the world. Previously, he was the light. But now he says, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now let's keep going and see what else he's got to say about this because it's very, very good. Neither do men light a candle. Now you understand if, it's, if it makes logical sense for people to not do something, it would be absolutely ridiculous to spend all kinds of time and money and resources to develop something that gives light and then hide the light. Wouldn't that be dumb? You go and, and do all that you can do to build a light and then cover it with a bushel. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. That's just stupid, right? Would you agree? So if it's stupid for people to do that, do you think God is going to do something stupid? Of course not. Neither do men take a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all the house. If it makes, if people, whether they're Christians, believers or not, have enough sense to do that, God surely isn't going to do something so stupid. And when he says, you are the light, He's going to position you where you're best suited to give the greatest amount of light to your situation. He's not going to hide you. You're a light. You're the light of the world. Take a trip. Take a, just put your finger in there and go to the book of Isaiah with me for a second, okay? Isaiah chapter, I'm going to back up a little bit and go to chapter 59 and then work my way to 60. Not reading all the verses, but... There was a dialogue going on here between Isaiah and the Lord in chapter 59. And finally, in verse number 15, there's a part of this verse I want you to look at. In the middle of verse number 15 of Isaiah 59, it says, The Lord saw it and it displeased him. Because there was nobody to take up the cause of justice. The Lord saw it. The Lord saw it. And so then in verse number 16, he saw there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. God's always looking for an intercessor. In the book of Job, that ver word intercessor is called a days man. There was no days man. There was no intercessor. There was no advocate. There was nobody to take up the cause for another person. There was no light. And so the Lord saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. 
So watch what God decides to do. God, therefore, his arm, his arm brought salvation unto him. And his righteousness sustained him. And God, he put on righteousness as a breastplate. God put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, you and I have all read in uh, the scripture where it talks about putting on the whole armor of God. Well, it's God's armor. It's the armor of God. God wears armor. Did you know that? And so he put on the breastplate of righteousness. And watch what else God did. God put on a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. And then he says in verse number 21, My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart of thy mouth, neither out of the mouth of thy seed nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth forever, forever. Now watch then what he goes on to say in verse number 60, 60, chapter number 60. He says, to you and to me, arise and shine for your light is come. It was already prophesied way back in the Old Testament that your light is coming. Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Do you understand the significance of the light upon you? John said this way. He said, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Do you understand? The light that you are is the life of God. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness. Now, a lot of, t a lot of us think of that in terms of God shining into darkness. And that's okay. That's true. But he said the light... His life was the light of men, and the light shined in darkness. You were designed to shine in darkness. And it says, and the darkness comprehended it not. That word comprehended it means the, it could not be extinguished. The light shined in darkness, and the darkness was not able to extinguish it or comprehend it. You and I were made to shine, and there's nothing that can unshine you. There's nothing that can take your shine away. The only thing that can take your shine away is when, do you ever notice when you walk into a room, there are no dark switches on the walls? You ever notice that? We only have light switches, not dark switches, because you can't turn darkness on and turn darkness off. You can only turn light on or light off. Darkness is always, always there, but when you turn the light on, what happens to the darkness? It has no power over the light. It comprehends it not. It's not able to extinguish it. And when God turns you on, the darkness has no power over you. 
Doesn't have it. And he said, when he says something, you can count on it. You can take it to the bank. It's true. And he said, you are the light of the world. Arise now and shine. For your light is come and the glory of God is risen upon thee. Watch what he says here. And the Gentiles shall come to the light. You know who the Gentiles are? They're the people who are the non-believers. We were Gentiles. We are Gentiles. We're not Jews by birth, but we are grafted in to the family. But there are still those who, aren't, who haven't come to the light, and God has called us to shine so that they can come to the light. We're, we're supposed to be set up on a hill so that people will be drawn to the city because of the light that's in the city. Amen? What draws people to God is the light that shines out of you. He says, the light has come. Uh, Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the peep upon the people, but the Lord shall rise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. His glory will be seen upon you because of the light that you're letting shine. And the Gentiles shall come to the light and kings to the brightness of who's rising? You're rising. So arise and shine. I, I don't know how I can get this point across, but over and over and over again, the truth begins to become relevant to me that God has already placed inside of us all that we need, but we're constantly asking him to do stuff that he has given you the power and the authority to do, but we don't. We live absent of that understanding, and so we continually beg him to do stuff that he's giving been, he's given you provision and power to do yourself. Take authority over situations. Put your big boy pants on <laughs> and start doing what God's given you power to do for yourself. Take authority over the wicked one. Take authority over sickness and disease. Take authority over powers and principalities. You can do this because the one that's in you is greater than the one that's in the world. You've got the resources. When Jesus said it is finished, he said that that means everything that needs to be done is done. Now you need to enter into the rest. You need to enter into the seventh day, into the day of understanding that it's done, and now you can rest assured it's done, and you have the power to do it. Enter into the rest. Enter into the time of it is finished. Enter into the time of shining. Enter it in, into the time of power and increase in your life. There's nothing else that God needs to do. You see? But yet, we think and we wait for God to do something. He's already done it. When Jesus said, it is finished, he meant it. You understand this? And and what he poured out upon you, now he says to you, this same armor that I used to that I put on in Isaiah 59, I want you to put on the armor. Wear my armor. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Understand that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Put on the helmet of salvation. 
begin to think saved instead of unsaved. Well, I don't want to be presumptuous. That's not presumptuous if it's what God told you to do. Put on salvation way of thinking instead of defeat and inferiority and, and uh, not measuring up. Put on the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You understand this? There, you, you might think that you don't know much about the Word of God, but you know more than you think you know. You do. You really know more than you think you know. Any of you could get up and could begin to preach. Do you know what the Word of God is to you? The Word of God is what God has done to you. Start with your testimony. Start with what God has done for you and then build upon that. You know, your story is an individual story. It's a unique story. Nobody has your story. It's your story. It's your story and it's his story. It's history. And when you begin to tell of your history with God, it will draw people to him because there's going to be people that will relate to that and they'll say, you know what? Same thing is true with me. If God can do it for you, Maybe he can do it for me. And all of a sudden, the salt and the light, the enhancement of the flavor and the opportunity to get vision, because that's what light does. Is it, get, it restores people's ability to see, taste, and see. See what? Taste what? That the Lord is good. That's what he wants people to taste. He wants them to taste and see that the Lord is good. And that tasting and seeing comes through you and through me. And when people begin to see the goodness of God because of the enhancement of the flavor, because of the light that we shine on the situation, they will, the goodness of God will draw them to repentance. The goodness of God leads men to repentance. Hallelujah. Lift up your eyes around and see. All they gather themselves together and they come to thee. Thy sons shall come from afar and thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. How many are waiting for your sons and your daughters to return? Oh, yes. Here's a prophetic word for you today. When you begin to shine and you begin to salt, God's going God's to do something for you. He, not only is he going to draw other people to the goodness of God, but your own sons and daughters are going to be drawn in too. They will come to thee. Thy daughters shall come from afar the, 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 thy sons from afar and thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. Then shalt thou see and flow together and thy heart shall fear and be enlarged. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to be afraid. It means you're gonna, you, your, your heart is going to be full and enlarged and fruitful. Because the abundance of the sea shall be, covered un, shall be uh, converted unto thee and the forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. There's a verse that I was aiming for, and I'm not seeing it. God wants to bring about a new thing, and he needs you to partner with him to bring it about. And it's through the light and through the flavor that he's given you so that the world can know who he is. Hallelujah. Are you ready to be that light? Are you ready to be that salt? Hallelujah. There's some things here. I write these notes down, and then I don't read them, and then 
Isaiah 59. Look, what was verse 16? I have that in my notes. 59, 16. Oh, I read that one to you already. God's good. Mark chapter 9, verse 50 says, Salt is good. But if salt loses its saltiness, with what reason will you season it? Don't let yourself become involved in foolishness because foolishness takes away your flavor-enhancing capacities. Now, what is foolishness? Is foolishness um, silliness, uh, trivial kind of stuff? Well, it can be those things, but a lot, of, a lot of us enter into foolishness by just letting ourselves talk about and be involved in the things of the world that don't do any good. I mentioned to somebody, one of the services, that, and I'm not saying that, I'm not trying to say that you should do this, and I'm not trying to lift myself up in doing this. It's just something that I decided to do one day that I discovered to be helpful to me. And that is that I, I cut out all of my social media accounts. I just suspended them all, all of them. I don't tweet. I don't Facebook. I don't do anything. I'm not telling you you have to do it because my family still does it. And that's how we get some of our news from other families is they, they tell me. So I'm not saying you have to do it. In fact, go ahead and do it if you want to. But I needed to stop it because, because I, my weakness is that I was spending too much of my attention on those things. So I felt really good about that, and I thought, well, that's really good, but the problem was that I, I was still listening to the news, and I was listening to the news sources that I felt were legitimate and enhanced my way of thinking about things, okay? So I had a particular leaning in my news sources that I would always go to, all right? I'm trying to be vague because I don't want to say my positioning on stuff, okay? But my problem was that I noticed that the more of that stuff that I was listening to, the more anxious and the more upset and the more stress I was getting about things. So I decided I'm not even going to watch the news, even if, it's, even if it's the good news, what I consider to be the good news. And I, so I cut out all the social media and I cut out all of the news. And do you know what? I am as happy as a bug in a rug. I have, ha I have reduced my stress level. It's not that I don't know anything that's going on, but I know a lot less about what's going on, and I don't get all worked up about it. And to me, I was getting involved in too much foolishness, and it was taking away my flavor in enhancing capacity because I was always aware of things around me that were bothering me and it limited my access to people because I was pigeonholing everybody you understand so for for me I'm not saying for you but for me I had to put away the foolishness because it was wrecking my flavor enhancement capabilities. Does that make sense to you? So that might be something you want to think about. 
because I didn't want my flavor to be taken away. Because if my savor is gone, then I'm useless. In fact, do you understand that how many of you came from up north? What did we do with salt up north? We threw it out on the streets to melt the snow and the ice. But you know what? If you lose your savor, you won't even melt the ice. You won't, you won't do anything. You may give some traction, like sand, but that's no good. God wants you to keep your saltiness. Hallelujah. And if, if you get to a place where you're not really a good flavor enhancement, then just melt some ice. But do something. By keeping your savor, by getting rid of the foolishness which limits your savor and be the light, start to shine. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, light doesn't have to do anything to be light. It's just light because it is light. You're not a light bulb, you see. God doesn't make you a light bulb. He makes you the light in the bulb. Amen? And he, in the olden days, they didn't have light bulbs. They had candles or fire or whatever like that. And you know, remember when Moses saw the bush that was burning? Remember that story? Well, a lot of us are all, are all overcome by the fire in the bush that wouldn't burn. But do you understand, if you go back and look at that verse, Moses wasn't enhanced by the fire and the bush, but he saw the angel of the Lord in the fire. That's what captured his attention because he'd no doubt seen bushes burning for a long time. He, was a, he, he trampled through that wilderness for 40 years taking care of sheep. Who knows what he saw? But he never saw the angel of the Lord inside of a fire in a bush that wouldn't burn. And he turned aside to see the angel of the Lord. Turn aside to see the angel. See, the light, that you're, the light that's in you has got that. The angel of the Lord is in there, and people will be attracted. They'll say, there's something different about that person. I don't know what it is, but I want to know what it is. There's just something about them. Every time I'm around them, there's, I, I can't understand it. That's what it is. The Lord will, will cause you to attract people. The kings of the earth will come. Do, do you see what it says here? It talks about people from the north and from the south. That's the verse I was looking for. From the west and from the east. Where did that verse go? It's hiding on me. Nations will be... Oh, here it is. It's in chapter 49, verse 19. So shall they fear, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west. Now, understand, where does the sun rise from? It rises from the east, doesn't it? And it sets in the west. And, and the interesting thing is it says... The name of the Lord, they will fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, which is the east. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Now, I'm going to get on my little soapbox for a minute. When the en Here we're talking about the glory and the victory of God coming in from the west to the east, flowing through the world, why then would he talk about being such a big boogeyman? 
No, he says, when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against the enemy. You see, because there's light and there's flavor in you, and there's nothing the enemy can do to hold you back. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. You are, the, the hell is on the defense. It doesn't want you coming in. It's trying to protect itself from you. But it will not prevail against the church. That's what happens when you begin to understand your identity, understand your strength, understand your light, understand your flavor in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? You about ready for lunch? Ready for a nap? Okay. I can tell when it's going too long, so I'm going to quit. Father, I have emptied my soul. I have birthed this sermon that's been pregnant in me. And I ask now by the power of your Holy Spirit that that incorruptible seed will now find soil that's has the capacity to bring forth 30, 60, and 100 fold. May it not fall into the thorns and the shallow, rocky ground, but might find good soil this morning in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your word, and I pray that you will now cause us to see who you designed us to be, and may we be flavor enhancers. May people taste and see the goodness of the Lord in us. In Jesus' name, may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, and may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May his goodness and his mercy follow you all the days of your life, and may you dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May you be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. May you bring forth fruit in your season. May your leaf never wither, and may whatsoever you do prosper. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and who is able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and honor and dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen and amen. God bless you in Jesus' name. Love each other, greet each other, and we will see you tonight at 630 in Jesus' name. Thank you.